0: Hey there and welcome. You are listening to the Parkview Global Podcast. We are so excited for you to join the conversations between
1: our Global Missions hosts and our amazing guests. Don't forget to follow our social media accounts at Parkview Global. Now, enjoy the podcast.
2: Hello everyone and welcome to the Parkview Global Podcast. My name is Christy Mullen. And I'm the Peace Plan Africa coordinator here at Parkview Christian Church, which is in the south suburbs of Chicago. My co-host today is Bill Carroll, our Parkview's Global Missions Pastor. We're so glad that you're here with us today, and we invite you to join us every month as we welcome different global partners to the show. Today, we are so very excited to welcome our good friend, the Honorable Sam Kowale, who is joining us from Malawi, Africa. We think the world of Sam. He's the man of God who serves people around him in so many ways. Sam and his beautiful wife, Mala, founded E3 Worldwide, a not-for-profit that serves communities in the Doha region of Malawi. Sam serves as the chief whip in Malawi's parliament, and Sam is also our peace country partner host in Malawi. I could go on and on, but, to suffice, it to say, but suffice it to say that Sam wears a multitude of hats. So welcome, Sam.
1: Thank you very much. It's good to be with you.
2: We're happy to have you, like I said. Um, Would you start by telling us just a little bit about um, the country of Malawi and the people of Malawi? Help our listeners get a feel for for everything that you get to experience every day.
1: Yeah, uh, so Malawi is in the southern, southeast part of Africa with a population of close to 18 million people. and Most of the people uh, live in rural areas, very small number of people live in uh, urban areas, but um, uh, very friendly uh, country, very peaceful, and um, we're just happy people. Uh, Just gone through a very interesting period uh, politically. Uh, Everyone seems to be happy with the changes, and uh, we look forward to uh, see how uh, these changes will translate into development uh, for this country. So for those who haven't been to Malawi before, uh, let's just wait for the uh, for the COVID-19 pandemic to be over so that we can host you and enjoy yes. the beauty and also uh, the joy that people of Malawi bring to visitors.
0: It, is, it really is like a, it's a beautiful country. I mean, You have mountains, you obviously have a lake that's almost as long as the entire country. Yeah. Um, The wildlife is amazing. You have one park in the north that is like the zebra capital of Africa or whatever. (laughs) Like it's it's such an amazing, beautiful country.
1: Yes, it is. Yeah. So uh, in terms of um, natural uh, resources and the game parks, uh, we have quite a number of them uh, across the country. Uh, people go see zebras, um, a few lions uh, on the increase. a lot of elephants uh, for your information and um, just other different types of wildlife. So we're very happy about that. Uh, and you mentioned about the lake. the lake that's where a lot of people like to go, just to enjoy the fresh water, uh, do a little bit of uh, water sports, but just hanging out on the beach. So those are some of the things that, um, that we're so proud of as a country.
0: And as my co-host, who's a biology major, loves to point out, <laughs> Lake Malawi has the most number of cichlid fish species in the world.
1: Yes, he does. <laughs> you my mind. I was
2: just gonna say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but also when, when, you're, when you're in the boat, like going from yeah. Hippo Lodge yeah. to, to the, the, the wildlife park where we usually do our safaris, like the hippopotamuses yeah. in the in the in the river. I mean, like it's it's hundreds and hundreds, like. It's crazy. It's it's it's, it's amazing.
1: Yes, uh, they're all over the river. Um, uh, that's why, uh, personally, I love uh, taking that drive into the park on the boat, uh, because I just love seeing the hippos in the water, not just the hippos, but also the elephants, either in the water yes. or on the river bank. Uh, it's it's just incredible, and uh, especially when the uh, elephants are crossing the river from one side oh. uh, to the other uh, with the with the baby elephants in tall. it's just a beautiful sight.
2: I loved seeing the baby elephants; they were so adorable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just
0: talked for five minutes about about so far. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I Okay. Like
2: would Like, look, just look at what your your background, Sam. Like, that's what you see every day. It's gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Gorgeous.
1: If
0: you're on YouTube, you can you can see a. Uh, Uh, Sam's backyard which is which is amazing
1: (laughs) thank you
2: so Sam um, how about taking us back to the very beginning because you were connected with um, the peace plan long before Parkview so can you tell us how those seeds got planted
1: yes so uh, what happened was um, I had just graduated from college and um, Parkview uh, before Parkview came to Malawi but back was launching the peace initiatives across the world, the way they were doing it, they were using the small groups so that they could um, uh, go and do the peace initiatives. So in Malawi, uh, they found me working uh, for a Christian radio station, and then I was recruited as a uh, country coordinator. Uh, the difference is that at that time, they were u- as they were using the small groups, uh, It was difficult for continuity of the peace initiatives because there was high turnover of people uh, coming through, uh, settle back, and uh, those who came in earlier, they had left. Those who came in later on, they were not sure how to continue uh, where the other people left off. So, uh, and also for sustainability of the projects because there were about seven churches that they were working with in Malawi uh, and that was a little bit difficult. So when they phased that one out, they ended up, um, uh, making sure that they, they ended up just, uh, moving to Rwanda and they changed the whole uh, way of doing it instead of just using the small groups, it was now the whole church that was involved in the, uh, in the peace initiative. So that's why, uh, they left Malawi. So about 10 years later uh on eight years later in 2013 that's when the uh, i met someone who was very familiar with the success story of rwanda and how the peace initiative was working there and in our compositions he didn't know that i was actually familiar with the whole peace plan and that's how i uh, ended up um, getting back to the peace initiative and then he was like okay then next month there's something happening in rwanda i would like to come and meet rick warren then when I went to Rwanda uh, to meet Rick Warren, that's when I found Sodoba. Pa- I mean, Parkview was there, uh, past a the team, and the, and the crew was also in Rwanda to learn more of the peace initiatives in Rwanda, so that they could actually start implementing in Malawi. So that's how uh, it, um, it it happened. Love
0: it. Love it. So, so before you guys even got involved with with the uh, peace plan and and purpose-driven, all that kind of stuff, Yeah, you and Mala had already started E3 ministries yeah. um, in, in Doha East. So yes. like, how did that start? And like, yeah, t- tell us about your heart for, for Doha. Uh,
1: with my involvement in the peace initiatives, um, something was planted in me because when the uh, the project ended, uh, when they moved back to the US and Rwanda, I accumulated so much wealth of information and knowledge about the Peace Initiatives. So uh, when I went back to work, I moved from Trans World Radio to Plan International. I only worked there for about three years, but I was very unhappy because what I had learned in the Peace Initiatives is something that I believed we need to do when it comes to community transformation. So I told my wife, I told my family to say, I don't want to work, to be employed uh, anymore, but I want to study ministry so that I can be able to implement what I had learned in uh, the peace plan. So in 2009, I shared the vision with my family, with my friends, with Mala, and then with a church in in Seattle, uh, Allen Creek Community Church in Marysville, Uh, then they said, we want to partner with you, uh, because that's a very good vision. So 2009, that's when we started uh, the ministry known as E3. E3, we're actually very lazy in coming up with a name for an organization. (laughs) So we're like, okay, what do you want to do? Uh, Okay, we want to educate people. uh, Why do you want to educate them or to empower them with knowledge and skills? And why do you want to empower them? Well, so that they can be employed or they can employ other people so that's where the e3 came from educate empower and uh, employ so e3 uh, is the name of the organization so uh, our goal <clears throat> was to meet people's uh, both physical and spiritual needs uh what we uh, what we set out to do was um to make sure that for people to really understand <clears throat> the love of god that god loves them and uh, share the word of God, for them to be transformed spiritually, we also had to meet the physical needs. Uh, In Malawi, um, physical needs are a barrier uh, for people to really understand and uh, grow spiritually. Uh, That's a fact. Uh, You find that we have so many ministries, we have so many churches that are actually uh, uh, working in Malawi but we find that the spiritual growth is very, very uh, shallow. Um, Simply because when people go to church, when they go back home, all they're thinking about is how are they gonna meet their physical needs? So for us, we said, let's go out and help them be able to, so we meet their physical needs, but also we help them meet their own physical needs. So that when we come and share the word of God, the physical needs should not be a barrier uh, for them to really understand the love of God and how God would want them to uh, have their uh, their lives uh, transformed. So that's how we set out to do E3. And uh, we've been doing that since 2009 uh, up to today.
0: Well, I think one of the coolest parts of the story is that, I mean, after several years of change and and relationships in, in DOA, they actually came back to you and said, Sam, would you possibly, um, run for parliament and represent us. and So, so unpack that story a little bit, and, and please explain the wonderful title of parliament whip or party whip and what that means.
1: So it was around 2012. Um, someone just came and said, um, we were actually doing a, a mobile medical clinic. So someone just came and said, oh, I want to talk to you. So I said, about what? He said about you running as an MP. So I said, "Oh, thanks, but uh, I'm busy right now. So let's <laughs> let's talk after the clinic. So and that was in the morning. And the gentleman actually stayed all the way up to 4 p.m. when we're wow. uh, close uh, picking up everything. So he told me again to say people want you to be a member of parliament. I said, "Okay, thanks for letting me know. I'm not ready. So <laughs> we need to leave. So we went. We're doing another medical clinic. He followed us to there to that." new venue. And he said exact same thing. I told him, I'm not interested. Then a few weeks later, someone calls and he says, I need to talk to you because people want you to be an MP. I said, no, the first time. He <laughs> called me another time. I said, no. He called me the third time. And uh, so he's asking, oh, where are you? So I said, oh, I'm I'm driving past uh, a village known as Jibanzi I'm going to see some projects. So he's like, Oh, I'm also right there at Chibansi. So there was no <laughs> way I could have run away from him, but just to stop. And uh, he came over, he said, Okay, I'm the district chairman. People have asked me to meet you so that you should be a member of parliament. I said, Why? I said, Because of everything that we've been doing the sports ministry, the medical clinics, the food production and uh, the education. So we want you to be a member of parliament because we think you can be able to do this at a larger scale. So I was like, okay, there's no way of running away from this. I've said no to different people before. Let me go and consult my family. And I thought my family were going to be so loving to me by telling me no, but uh, (laughs) they actually said yes. So I was not very pleased about that. And then I (laughs) talked to my wife My wife was like, uh, I thought my wife was going to be, politics is bad. Uh, Let's focus on what we're doing. And uh, my wife also doesn't love me that much. She said yes. (laughs) So I was mad at her. Yes, I know your wife. (laughs) So the the thing is, uh, pretty much everyone who I had asked to say, what do you think about me running for parliament? Uh, Pretty much everyone said yes, apart from two people. Uh, They Mm -hmm. had their own reasons but uh, everyone said, go for it, go for it, go for it. And um, then uh, until uh, Dr. Lazarus Chakwera came on the scene and he said, "Okay, I'll run for the president of Malawi. And that, uh, it, for me, it was clear. It was clear uh, answer from God to say, okay, now you have someone that I would like you to work with uh, so that you can help him uh, in how to change the country. Then I ran as a member of parliament and uh, our people just came out of nowhere just to support me in my campaign. And uh, the first year I won uh, 60% of the votes uh, as a member of parliament. And um, I was happy, I stayed for five years. And then last year we went again for uh, elections and then they voted for me again. Actually last year the competition was tougher than in 2014. Uh, so, but I actually managed to win again with a very large margin. And um, for the grace of God, um, the first five years I was given responsibilities in Parliament. But now from last year, I was given even a bigger responsibility as the chief whip. A chief whip is someone who looks after the members of Parliament for your, for your political party. Uh, in Parliament, so you're supposed to look after their welfare, you have to coordinate everything uh, that happens in Parliament. So you are the point person, you are the leader of the political party, uh, of all the wow. members of Parliament. It's a tough task, uh, leading over 70 members of Parliament, who each one of them, in their own rights, they are leaders. So everyone thinks they're a leader, so you have to lead leaders and that they have very strong opinions of things so i was just very fortunate and blessed that i was given that opportunity to serve them
0: that's great and obviously we can't not go on without talking about the fact that uh just what two weeks ago um dr lazarus Chakwera um was elected president of malawi uh, yes. dr lazarus is is a friend of the peace plan for a long time, as well as leader of the Pentecostal churches, is that right?
1: Yeah, the Malawi Assemblies of God, but also in Africa, but he also serves as a secretary uh, at at the world level. Wow, so
0: so what a great opportunity. So Sam, just take a minute, unpack that a little bit. What are some possible changes that you see possible now with Dr. Lazarus uh, as the president of Malawi?
1: Well, firstly, uh, what everyone is expecting is to see transformation, and not just transformation, not just transformation by name, but also by things that will be happening on the ground. Uh, he came up with the five principles that uh, we're supposed to follow if the country is going to to, to develop. So we we talk uh, we have what is known as the the super high five uh, servant leadership. Uh, people are expecting every person to serve Malawians, not to rule over them, not to be bosses over them, but to really serve mm-hmm. them, so servant leadership. And uh, the country is broken right now. We need to unify the country. Uh, broken politically, uh, in terms of religion, in terms of where you're coming from, uh, the social um, uh, fiber of the whole country is broken, so we need to unify the country. The second thing and then uh, in terms of prosperity we don't want very few people to prosper we want everyone to prosper uh, together and uh, we have so much corruption we need to end corruption that's the fourth thing uh, that we're supposed to follow and then the last thing is the rule of law we don't want people to do whatever they want at any time so those are the five things that we're expecting to happen in the country and uh, we know that if someone uh, who believes in the biblical principles on how to transform the country, is going to help us to achieve that. So the expectations are very high, not just on the president, but also the members of parliament who are going to be serving Malawians together with him. Uh, so the pressure is very high, the expectation is extremely high, but we know we'll be able to deliver because we have what it takes to nice. transform this country. Love that.
2: Sam, when you were telling your story, it it just reminded me of a verse out of the book of Samuel. Of mm-hmm. Sam 1, speak Lord, your servant is listening. It's kind of like he was knocking on your door through different people and there you are. So I love that. Um, so um, we've talked a little bit about the churches in Malawi. Can you tell us just a little bit more about them um, How how are they different from the city to the rural villages? How do they differ from the churches you saw when you were here in the U.S.? How are they similar?
1: Uh, They are different. Uh, Firstly, the differences within the country and also the differences outside, uh, like in the U.S. The similarity is we we serve, we pray to the same God uh, and we believe in Jesus Christ and we believe in the Trinity, and um, we just um, worship him a little bit differently, both in terms of infrastructure, but uh, also in terms of uh, the location, and also in terms of how we compose music. Uh, So those are some of the differences, uh, both in the U.S., but also within the country. In in the country, um, uh, between the urban areas and the rural areas, there are also uh, differences because of uh, Uh, the education levels, uh, they're also different. So you find that you go out in the village, uh, they they kind of like uh, simplify the message so that people can really understand. But uh, at the same time, the danger with that is also that we don't have a lot of people who are educated to be able to translate and preach the word of God. So you just find someone who uh, understands a little bit like an elder or a deacon uh, to to lead services on a Sunday, uh, those are some of the challenges that are there between the urban areas and uh, the rural areas. But otherwise, um, uh, you find that the denominations that could be similar. We have a lot of independent churches uh, that are, are, are both urban as well as rural areas.
0: So there's a, there's a long heritage there with a lot of different denominations of churches. Yeah, and I believe you, you grew up Presbyterian and Mala grew up Baptist. Will you yes. please share what, what what denomination your kids are?
1: Uh, well, our kids are Baptarians, so <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted that joke. I love that joke. <laughs> yeah, so simply because my, my, my dad uh, is a pastor of the Presbyterian, my wife is. Uh, the dad of the Baptist Church. So, nice. yeah. So the the kids are lucky. Uh, the grandparents yeah. are both pastors, so they get double blessings from two yes. denominations.
0: Yes.
2: yes. <laughs> can you um, can you talk a little bit more? Like step one for the for purpose driven Malawi was the pastor trainings, um, where they learned how to lead a healthy church. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that worked and where the pastors come from and how pastors are chosen to become part or to be part of that training.
1: Um, well, the pastors that um, we, uh, the, the ones who come for the trainings, are the uh, for the purpose-driven church. They actually come from different denominations. Uh, first mm-hmm. of all, both the uh, we have what we call the mainline churches and then we have the independent churches so for the mainline churches uh we have the presbyterian anglican and um uh, baptist Assemblies of god and then we have uh, independent churches these are like the churches that have got like just one um one building uh, one place of worship we have lots of those so uh, it's a very huge diverse group of um uh, of pastors Uh, We're very happy about that, uh, because um, we don't leave anyone behind. uh, But also, the education levels are also a little bit different. Uh, So Mm. we are also uh, happy about that. But in the end, we like the unity that is actually shown uh, so that uh, they can be able to um, uh, learn and implement uh, what, um, uh, what, what, what we actually teach them
0: and you're super humble so I'll brag on you a little bit but you, you guys you guys started with the trainings in the three major cities which in the south is um, Blantyre in central is a long way in the north is um, Mzuzu but but, but now you moved into Salima which is over by the lake right
1: yes so um apart from uh Blantyre Lilongwe and Mzuzu we moved to Kasungu <sighs> Kasungu is um, somewhere between um, uh, Mzuzu and uh, Lilongwe and then we also moved to Salima and then this year um, before the the COVID hit uh, we also ended up doing the um, uh, southern part of Malawi in Sanje so that's also another uh, another uh, place where we uh, we ended up um, uh, launching our PD trainings, so we That's we great, we, yeah. we are happy. We're happy about it uh, that we're able to to expand. Um, if the COVID, if the COVID um, uh, wasn't there, uh, this year would have had even more uh, people uh, graduating than the previous years because a lot of people were excited about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, like one of the big parts of the peace plan is the point is to unite the churches and you know and really bring together all the denominations yeah. so sam how many pastors total have you have we put through uh that basic training
1: um well last year uh, i think we by last year it was over 1200 by the end of last year and uh, this year we were actually adding close to 300 more pastors if we were to take all the um, the uh, six uh, six locations uh, that uh, we're doing the training this year. Because the lowest number That's of um, attendance, it was 45. And uh, all the other places, it was 50, 60, and 75 was the highest. So if we were to take all the six places where it was over 300 people. So uh, 1,200 at the end of 2019. And then we'll be adding another 300 this year.
0: Nice.
2: That's beautiful. Love it. How um, So how do we go from the um, trainings with the pastors to actually teams on the ground? Can you kind of bridge that for our listeners?
1: Yes. So um, the, the trainings that we're doing, there, uh, the PD trainings, the... Um, uh, It's the first part of um, what is supposed to happen, uh, what churches are supposed to do in the community. Uh, The peace plan is supposed to come after uh, the training of uh, the churches. In the past, uh, or traditionally, you find that a lot of churches, they're so interested to go out and do peace initiatives, but that doesn't make them different from any other non-profit organization because you're just meeting the physical needs of people. But a healthy church understands that for you to impact the life of someone spiritually, or I mean physically, you also have to make sure that you as a church internally, you are transformed spiritually. Malawi is a very good example of uh, why a healthy church uh, can have uh, an impact. Um, For a very long time, uh, Malawi has always been considered to be a God-fearing nation, but at the same time, the corruption uh, levels are extremely high. And the funny thing is, most of the people who are involved in corruption, they're coming from the church. So it simply means that the church is not having an impact in the lives of its members, because if members of the church were transformed spiritually, they wouldn't be involved in the corruption out there. So the reason why we focus so much on the uh, uh, people's driven church trainings is to help members or to help pastors understand that before you send your members out into the private sector, into the government, into the education sector, into any other sector, make sure you disciple them really well. They understand their role in society. Then when you go out and do the peace initiatives you are doing it not because it's going to make you feel good that you've done something uh, for the community but you are doing it as a response to what christ has sent you to do and when you do things out there you are not taking glory for yourself but you are doing everything to the glory of god so the reason why we have a, we we started with a uh, purpose-driven trainings before we focus so much on the peace initiatives is because we wanted people to really understand what is important. Now, because you've done the trainings over some time, now we are going back to the alumni and start asking them, what have you done with the training? What are you doing in your churches? Have you started peace initiatives? What initiatives have you done? What's the impact in the community? What help do you need to make sure that you're having even more impact? So the follow-up is what is happening right now, although it seems to be a little bit slow it's because most of the pastors, they uh, nobody wants to share their weaknesses. It's almost everyone wants to, to talk about the success stories. So we, we tell them, yes, the success stories are great. We'd really love to hear them, but we'd also want to find out your challenges. And that is why we have um, alumni meetings. Uh, We're having them every three months so that they could come and share their stories, the successes and the failures, so that when they hear someone is struggling here, someone can be able to say, oh, I was able to overcome that challenge by doing this thing in this way. So um, we have the peer reviews during the alumni meetings but we also are asking questions, we're asking them to give us some feedback. So we've moved from uh, the PD trainings to the peace initiatives and uh, working on the ground. Now, when we do that, that's when our pipe view is also gonna be coming in because uh, that's where you, uh, you are sending teams uh, from the church to Malawi to work with the uh, local churches in the peace initiatives. So that's where we've actually been able to do, we, we've done the women conferences, we've done the business uh, trainings. And um, if it wasn't for the COVID-19, uh, we had a, a, a year uh, packed uh, with activities that we were so excited about uh, because the PipeView was coming in to plug in and uh, help us even more on the peace initiatives.
0: So l- last question, Sam, how can our listeners be praying for you and for peace, uh, for purpose-driven Malawi?
1: Well, um, uh, let me start with the the peace initiatives in Malawi. Um, I just wish God could just point a finger at the world and say, Hey, COVID get out of the way. Uh, My kids need to work for me. And then it just disappears because we we just want to uh, continue doing what we're doing so if this pandemic can come to an end uh pretty fast uh we'll be very grateful uh because um malawi is going to benefit greatly uh, from the uh, pd trainings and the peace initiatives so yeah. not only are you going to pray for malawi but uh, i pray for the whole world that this um this disease has to go away uh for malawi itself we have a new government new president new leaders uh, would like to ask for wisdom uh, and also god's grace to be able to make sure that we have um, uh, the transformation that people expect and also to continue to uh, to rely on god uh, for transformation Uh, for me and my family uh, just continued safety uh, from everything going on uh, around the world a lot of people are getting sick the number of people who are Uh, Getting infected is on the increase in Malawi. Uh, We are doing whatever we can to stay safe. Uh, We've uh, limited our movements a lot, uh, taking all the precautionary measures. Uh, We also like to ask for your prayers uh, and also strength uh, to go through this really well. We are used to running up and down a lot, so staying Mm -hmm. home, uh, just doing one or two things a day, it feels very strange to us <laughs> right
0: but well, we will absolutely pray for all those things thank uh, sam thank you so much we're, we're, we love you guys we love you and Molly and the kids and uh uh tell ruth and chico hi for us and they're gonna have a baby pretty soon which is super exciting
1: yes and, that's uh, right. um,
0: we are just so honored to partner with you and, and uh, can't wait for covid to be over so we can all fly back to Malawi. It's killing me that I'm not in Malawi this year, Uh, but we can't wait for that. But just for all of our listeners, so you know, in the show notes, we'll have all kinds of things, uh, links to stuff that Sam talked about, some information about Malawi, um, all kinds of stuff. So check out the show notes, find out lots of information. You can also find in the show notes information about all of our global partners. So please check that out. Sam, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Well, thank you very much, Bill. Thank you very much, Christy, and thank you for the support. Uh, that you're giving us in malawi we do not take that for granted and we will be praying for you as well uh, thank you